Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, church, last week, guys, we learned, guys, some very important lessons about Lot. You guys remember who Lot was, right? Lot was Abram's nephew, okay, Abram's nephew. Lot's father had died, and Uncle Abram took Lot as his own son, kind of took him in the journey. And so they journeyed together, if you recall, they journeyed together all the way from Ur of Chaldees up to Haran. Haran, he just he was just with, with Abram all the way down to Egypt, right? Well, now he's back with him in the land of Canaan, right? Well, you guys know the story, right? As, as, as God blessed and prospered Abram, God blessed and prospered Lot. As Lot, as Abram began to be blessed, he said, here, Lot, take some. And, and what happened was, is now the land was not able to support them. Okay, so they go to each other lovingly and they say, listen, there's a quarrel between our herdsmen and your herdsmen. And what do you think we're going to do? And, and he says, listen, let's just, let's just separate. You're a grown man. You're following the Lord. And, and here's what we learned, guys. If you recall, we learned, we learned about Lot. That what? That unfortunately, Lot took seven, if you will, downward steps that actually led him to Sodom. He was not supposed to go to Sodom. He wasn't supposed to. But now he's got seven. You go, well, what, 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 what were they? What, what can we learn? Well, the first thing we need to learn is that Sodom is a type of the world. It's a type of the world. And we find Lot in a very, very dark place. And the reason I say that is because we find so many Christians in a dark place. You see, they're supposed to be walking in the light and somehow they end up in a dark place and we can learn from Lot. And you go, what were they? Well, the very first thing that we learned from Lot, his very first downward step was this. What was that, Ben? That Lot began to walk by sight and not by faith. You see, he says, okay, where are you going to go? And he sees the plain of Jordan. There is water. It was beautiful. He says, it looks like the garden of the Lord. And that was awesome. But the problem is, sight alone, listen to me, can be deceiving if we don't inquire of the Lord. That's how, I mean, think about it. Sight alone, you go, what do you mean? Well, maybe the job they offer you is lucrative. Maybe the job is like, wow, all this money and everything, but we don't inquire of the Lord and it's not the job for us. We're unhappy. We, oh, I don't want the job. I mean, sight alone. And so that's the first thing. He didn't inquire of the Lord. Guys, think about this. He didn't inquire. And you go, well, Ben, 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 you said that Lot began to walk by sight and not by faith. How does that apply to me? Well, here's what we talked about. Walking, what does walking by faith really mean? Well, if you're taking note, you can jot this down. First and foremost, walking by faith requires tremendous courage and strength. That's the first thing. Tremendous courage and strength, right? Because you just don't go, hey, you need to walk by faith. It takes courage. It takes strength. Why? Because think about it. Number two, walking by faith means you must be willing to be misunderstood and even abandoned. I, I feel like God wants me. Well, okay, I don't know. You're, woo, you're you know, I mean, and, and walking by faith also means, number three, it means that you must be willing to give up any control. Come on, somebody. You thought you had. You give it up. Because walking by faith means, God, I am no longer in control. You're in control of my life. And number four, 
Walking by faith means you must be willing to look like a complete fool. Isn't that, isn't that the truth? Walking by faith. See, again, that's what it means for us. And there are several instances in the Word of God of people walking by faith and others thinking they're foolish. You go like who? First and foremost, think about Noah, right? Hey, guys, Noah, God told me it's going to flood. Noah, you're cuckoo for Cocoa Pops. Seriously, you're out of control, okay? No, 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 it's going to flood, and I'm going to build this ark. Who's in? You could imagine. You could imagine what people thought of, of Noah. He's crazy. He's, he hasn't been a drop of rain. People go outside, look up, and they go, huh. And there's Noah. What are you doing, Noah? It's going to rain. It's going to flood. God's going to bring judgment. Noah, seriously? Year one goes by. Noah, seriously? Year two. You guys know what I'm talking about? Several instances. Several instances. I mean, mean, think about it. The world thought it was foolish of Noah when he said the world was going to be flooded. You go, what else? Well, think about Moses. That's example number two. Moses, right? Moses, it's foolish. You're going to lead two million people out of Egypt, right? I mean, this is just, I mean, think about this. He walked by, I mean, mean, that would be foolish. I'm going to take two million people. I'm going to walk across the desert. Who's in? How are you going to do this? You got a system? Nope, we're just going to follow God. People go, okay, let's do this. How about this one? How about Mary? Mary, hi, I'm pregnant. Say, what? Where's that Joseph? Bring him here. You know? No, 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 it's not Joseph. It was by the Holy Spirit. Say, what? Uh, he was impregnated by the Holy Spirit to bring forth the Messiah. That's, that, guys, think about that. People probably... People probably talked about Mary all the time. They still did after. Oh, that's Jesus. That's Mary's son. Walking by faith, guys, think about that. Well, give me another example. Can I just say you and me? Isn't the world think it's foolish, guys, that we trust God and that one day we're going to be with him? Isn't it foolish how Christians should be walking with their with their eyes up, waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus? It's foolish, right? It's foolish to think one day you're going to pass from this earth and be with him in heaven. It's foolish that you should have that kind of peace in a world that's going crazy. It's foolish. No, it isn't. It's by walking by faith because I trust God. I trust God, and, and we're supposed to walk by faith. That's what he did. He walked by sight. You go, Ben, that's the first thing we learned. That's the first thing we learned. But the second thing we learned is his second choice, guys, is Lot began to make his own choices. In other words, Lot never really prayed or sought counsel. He began to make his own choice. First of all, he looks and goes, hey, I want that's nice. I want that, man. And then he, he didn't even ask anybody. He didn't go to prayer. And he began to make his own choice. And guess what we find out? The third downward step is he pitched his tent towards Sodom. You go, what does that mean? Jot this down. It means he began to set his heart towards the world. He began to set his heart towards the world, all the things of the world. Oh, I get it, guys. The world is flashy. The world says, hey, come on. Let's dance a little bit. Let's, let's tango. Let's, uh, let's. But, but that's what he did. And, and he began to 
And the quote we used last week, guys, is I've never seen anyone pitch their tent towards Sodom that did not soon dwell in Sodom. Guys, once you set your heart towards something, you usually end up there. That's what he did. He, he pitched his tent. There's Sodom. There it is. I, I won't go there. I won't, I won't go there. But, but it's, there it is. There it is. There it is. Woo. Man, look at the people going in. Huh. Maybe if I get a little... No, that's, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Sweetie, what do you think about... Some, hey, you want to go out tonight? You want to go on a date? Maybe we could go over to... You want, you want to check out Sodom? I heard there's a great Mexican restaurant there. What do you think? Sweetie, no. No, sweetie. We know, Sodom, that's the world. There's just, just so much immorality there, right? What happens next, guys? He pitched his heart. And the fourth downward step is now we see Lot sitting at the gate. You see, the Sodomites vote him into the city council. It wasn't just a pass-through. Listen to me. He was part of the infrastructure. He was now a judge at the gate. You see, it doesn't take long when you set your heart towards Sodom that eventually you're going to be in Sodom. Guys, listen to me. Listen, here's the application. When you set your heart towards the world, it won't be long then you're back in the world. Number five, we learned the fifth downward step is that Lot lost his moral compass. And he did something that no dad should ever do. If you recall, right? The men of Sodom came pounding at the door. Pow, 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 pow. Bring us those men that we may know him carnally. He goes, no, my brothers. No, my brothers, don't do this. Let me give you my two daughters. He was going to sacrifice his daughters to the men of Sodom. He lost his moral compass somehow. Somehow, this is what happens when you pitch your tent towards Sodom. And then the next thing you know, you're sitting at the gates and you're being a judge. And then the next thing you know, you've lost your moral compass. You ask the question, how did this happen? Because a lot of times you can take Lot out of Egypt, but you cannot take Egypt out of Lot. Listen to me, a lot of times... You can take us out of the world, but they have a harder time taking the world out of us. That's what happened. And you go, what happened after that? Well, if you recall, remember this, the sixth step, Lot blew his testimony. He blew his testimony. In Genesis chapter 19, verse 14, listen to this. It said, Lot went out, spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters and said, get up, get out, out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to, to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. He seemed to be joking. He blew his testimony, guys. His testimony. There was severe consequences coming to Sodom and his sons-in-law. <laughs> Good one, Dad judgment please come on no 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 son seriously come on listen we blew our testimony he blew his testimony nobody really believed him he wasn't serious about the things of god listen let me just say this life is crazy amen, amen. and we can be crazy about a lot of stuff and we can laugh and we can joke but we should always be serious about the things of god because, because here's the thing, 
I've got a reputation and I've got a testimony. And my reputation is what others think of me because of me. But a testimony is what other people think of God because of me. And I don't want to blow my testimony. I want them to go, he's serious about God. The dude's crazy, but he's serious about the things of God. That's what, that's, that's what we want. And, and he blew it. And you go, well, what was the seventh downward step? Guess where he ended up? He ended up in Zoar. Zoar means insignificant. He lived a life that was insignificant. And that's what happened. Well, tonight, guys, we say goodbye to Lot. The focus now shifts back to Abram. Now, the reason I bring up Lot's downward steps is to contrast that with a little bit of Abram, okay? But before we say goodbye to Lot, at least for tonight, why? Because he's going to show up next week in chapter 14. Let me offer some encouragement for us, okay? You ready? Could we agree that Lot made a lot of mistakes? You go, yeah, I mean, seriously, dude, he first pitched his tent, he didn't ask God, he didn't seek counsel, and now he's at the gate, and his moral compass is out of control, and he blew his testimony, and he ends up in insignificance. Could we agree that he lost, that basically he made a lot of mistakes? We can agree, amen. I think in the world's eyes, he would be considered, what, a huge mess, a loser, right? Broken. He just blew it. Oh, what a crazy guy. In Christians' eyes, how do you think they would see him? Well, they would judge him and they would think he would be considered a hypocrite. You say one thing, Lot, but you do another. Wait, Lot, you're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be here. What are you doing in Sodom? So you got two different views. You got the world looking at him going, what a mess up. What a mess up. And you got the Christians going, "Mm -hmm, see, Lot, if you just read the Bible like me, you wouldn't end up in Sodom. Think about this, though. Think about this. But because of Jesus, because of Jesus, we can and we do mess up at times. But see, God still considers us saved and righteous. He still does. You go, like, like, like what do you mean? Think about what Peter said about Lot. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 2, 7 and 8, says this. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom. Why? Because he was a righteous man. The Bible still calls him righteous. Time out. Hold the phone. Are you serious? He did messed up here. He messed up there. He's sitting there, and now he's in the council. I mean, that, that's more than a mess up, but the Bible still calls him righteous. Why? Because it says that he was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and he heard day after day. Keep this in mind, church. Lot was... He was sick of the immorality, but he somehow got stuck in Sodom. He was sick of it. He was sick of, his soul was sick. Oh, I, I mean, think about this, guys. Apply it to our lives, and you go, what do you mean? I believe there are times true believers will be sick of the world and its system, and yet sometimes they're still trapped by it. True believers are going, man, I get, I don't, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore, man. I'm so, oh. But they can't get out. They can't get out. I know what I'll do. I'll go to church. But that's not enough. Why? Because notice what the Bible says, guys, and you've got to write this down. Notice what the Bible says. Only God can rescue us from this world. That's what the Bible says. It says, but God also rescued life. You go, Pastor, what's your point? Here it is. Listen, pastors, I can't help you. 
All I can do is point you to the grace and the mercy of God, but God has to do the rescuing. God has to pull you out of that, out of that place where you're trapped. I've had so many times when I've sat across somebody and I give them the counsel and I pray with them and say, you need Jesus. And, and they get saved and they go right back into the world doing the things that they used to do. Why? Because I can't save them. Only Jesus can. I have to go to God and say, God, you need to rescue me. That's where the power comes from when you go straight to God. Oh, gosh, we want to help, guys. We want to help. We want to do what we can. We want to come alongside a brother. We want to do life together. But in the end, it's God who rescues us. Would you agree? God rescues us. God rescues us. And that's what happened. God rescues us from this world. But I love that he still called light rot, that he still called lot righteous. Well, we pick up our story, guys, in verse 14. That's the affirmation God's going to do after the separation. I found a quote from Jonathan Huell that said this, who wrote, Today I choose the higher road, the path of charity, acceptance, love, selflessness, and kindness. End quote. And you go, what do you mean? Well, I think this could have been Abraham's mantra, right? Because he said, I choose the higher road, right? I choose charity and acceptance, love, selflessness, and kindness. And that's where we pick it up. Look with me, guys. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14. It says, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, if you're an underliner, go ahead and underline that. The Lord said to him, Lift up your lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Now I want you to note the contrast, guys, the contrast to Lot. The very first thing we noticed. God spoke to Abraham. God spoke to him. And I love this. Why? Because what we discover is there's a wonderful dialogue, guys, going between Abram and God. You go, what do you mean? Guys, it's called a relationship. It's called a relationship. Let me take you back for just a moment. Starting in, verse, uh, in chapter 12, it says this. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, He's speaking to him. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. Over in verse 7 of chapter 12. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give you this land. And, and Abram built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. In verse 8 of chapter 12, it says, And he moved there to the mountain east of Bethel. He pitched his tent with Bethel and the west and Ai on the east. And there... Abram built an altar to the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord. So God is speaking to Abram. Abram is calling up to God. Verse chapter 13, verse 4 says this, To the place of the altar which he had made there at first, and where Abraham called on the name of the Lord. And of course, today in chapter 14, it says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Pastor, what is your point? Here it is. Listen, a relationship calls for dialogue. It's not just a monologue, guys. It's a dialogue, and it's a relationship. It's a relationship between two people. If you want to have a relationship with somebody, it means that you're talking back and forth. It's a relationship. That's what it's about. And this is what God is doing, and this is what God has done through his son, Jesus. And he wants us to have a real relationship with him. He wants us to have a relationship. Right? This is what he wants to do. He wants to have a relationship. And, and I read this on Facebook the other day. I thought it was really cool. 
He says this, what's the difference between a religion and relationship? Well, he says religion is when you mess up and you say, don't call that. But relationship is when you mess up and say, oh, I got to call dad. I got to call dad. I messed up. I messed up. Listen, here's what we got to understand. I'm not asking you today to believe in a bunch of Bible stories. I'm not asking you to believe, hey, hey, Mark, believe that Jonah got swallowed by a whale or a fish or whatever you want to call it. I'm not asking you to believe that. I'm not asking you to say, hey, this 14 to 16-year-old girl got pregnant by the Holy Spirit and brought forth the Messiah. You go, Ben, those are crazy stories. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Here's what I'm asking you to do. You ready? I'm asking you to believe in Jesus. I'm asking you to put your faith in him for salvation and begin a relationship with him. Once you begin a relationship and he begins to speak to you and you begin to speak to him, then those things become true in your heart. It's hard when we say, here's what the Bible says, you need to believe it. Amen, amen, I believe it. Now, let me just say, what's most important, guys, is do you have a relationship with God? Do you have that? Do you have that? And that's, that's exactly what's going on here with Abram. He's talking to him. He's talking to him. And I love, guys, that we have, we have the privilege of prayer, of prayer. We get to talk to God. And this, this was just so true. Like, like my, my granddaughter and I, we got to hang out on Monday, night, Monday right? Because she didn't have any school. And, and so we got to hang out. And one of the things that we were trying to do is we... Have you ever misplaced something? Or, you know, I had a set of instructions that I needed to find. It was a book this thick, and I needed those instructions. And you have a wife. That's all I'm going to say because she's not here. And I, you know, so what do we start doing? I love this. Man, we start looking for stuff. Return. I got to find those. Well, where did you leave them? Well, if I knew where I left them, then I'd go find them. I don't know where they are. So we start looking, right? And I was like, oh, my goodness. What am I going to do? 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 I know. I'll pray. I remember praying, Lord, I need those instructions. They're so important. Please help me to find them in Jesus' name. Amen. And then I'm getting dressed in my closet. I look up. Guess where they are? Up on the closet. On her side. Just saying. Just saying. And so that was cool, right? God's I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? I was doing the duty. I was like, yeah, cool. So then later on the day, I said, okay, sweetie, we have to go to, I'm telling my grandbaby, we have to go to, we have to go to the storage, right? We need to go to the storage. We need to look and see what's there. We got to get ready to get out of that. And uh, so I go and I look for the keys. I can't find the keys. Where are the keys to the storage? They're not hanging. They're supposed to be hanging. They're not hanging. They're not hanging, right? So I'm like, oh. So I'm just like, oh, my goodness. So I said, well, maybe they're, maybe they're in the truck because that's where we were last. Maybe they're in the truck in the ashtray. So I take my baby, and we go in the truck, and we're just messing around, and we're looking, and they're not in there, right? They would have been pretty clear. And Nathalie drives up. She says, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're looking for the keys. I don't know where the keys are. The storage. She goes, well, have you checked on your dresser? And I said, you cleaned my dresser. I don't know where anything is on my dresser. You cleaned it. She's like, okay. So she just walks off. I grab Cordelia's hand. Lord Jesus, please, we need those keys. That would make life so much easier. And so, Lord, and I'm praying with her. As I'm praying, Nathalie's walking out. Guess what she has? The keys. She goes, they were right on your dresser. You just didn't look hard enough. 
No, but I had the privilege of asking God. And he answered me. And you know what? I got to be honest with you. That strengthened my faith. You go, it's just keys. It's just instructions. Yeah, but I got faith for the bigger stuff. I got faith. I got faith. But you know what? It put faith in my grandbaby's heart. Did you see what God did? And I'm thinking about it, guys. That's exactly what a relationship does. I can talk to God and I can ask him. And I could say, hey, Lord, could you, could you direct me today? Could you direct me? It's so important. On Saturday, we had the privilege of, I had the privilege of doing a wedding up in Amarillo. And nothing, I had a late lunch. Before the wedding was like later on in the afternoon, like at five. And so we had a lunch and. And so we're sitting at the lunch, and we kind of noticed that our our uh, our waitress she was she was saying some things, and we happened to overhear her, and how someone had broken in and stolen all her stuff, and she just had a rough, just a rough, rough month. And so she came to our table, and I felt, I, you know, you feel that in your and the Lord's like, I want you to give her, I want you to bless her, and I'm like looking at my wallet like this, going, God, are you serious? This is all I have. I mean, Lord, he's like, I want you to bless her. I'm like, okay. If, that, if that's you, Lord, you know, because we tend to do that. And, and so I, I felt like the Lord wanted to do that. And I asked her her name and I said, um, listen, we overheard a little bit of what you've been through. We want you to know that, that we love you and here's something for you. And, and I only ask that we can pray with you. And so Nathalie just prayed with her, and she's crying. And I never saw her after that. I don't know if the shift changed it or whatever, but I know that God, I know that he directs us. How does that happen? It's a relationship. It's a relationship. I can talk to him. He can talk to me. And that's what, that's what, that's what Abraham and God has, and that's what he wants of us. Well, back in our story, guys, the second thing we noticed, he says, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are. You guys notice this? This is in contrast. You go, what's that? God is directing Abram. He tells him, you lift your eyes. You look. Abram had been inquiring of God through the journey, and now God directs his path. Do you guys see that? It applies just to us if you call out on his name. As a matter of fact, you guys know this, and if you know it, say it with me. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. We know that. We love that verse, but that's what He says. If you'll acknowledge God, He'll direct your paths. And I guess if you're taking note, you could say this was an upward step of faith, not a downward step. This was an upward, uh, upward step. Why? Because he's saying, God, show me. And I love the way, what, w- w- the way Warren Wearsby says about this verse. Listen, he says this. While Lot was getting farther from the Lord, Abram was drawing closer. Lot was becoming a friend of the world. Abram was becoming a friend of God. So both men, listen to me, both men are considered righteous based upon their faith in God. But the question is, which one do you want to be? You go, what do you mean? Are you want to be a friend of the world? Because James tells us in chapter 4, verse 4, adulterers and adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? 
Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you want to be like Abram, a friend of God? James 2.23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. A friend of God. Guys, think about it. They're both righteous because of God. But which one do you want to be? Pastor, I want to be a friend of God. I don't want to be a friend of the world. Well, it goes on. Notice, picking it up in the last part of the verse, it says, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Verse 15 says, for all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Forever, right? That's cool. Now, here's the thing. Listen, in contrast to Lot, what did Lot do? He claimed, listen to me, guys, what he could see. Are are y'all getting this? He claimed what he could see. I want the plane. It looks like Egypt. I want to go there. What did Abraham claim? Abraham claimed what God could see. What God could see. You, You could say it like this. You ready? Worldly people claim what they can see. I want this. I want that. I want her. I want him. Faith people claim what God can see. And he sees a lot farther than we do. You guys with me? Let me illustrate it this way. It was a young boy who went to a local store with his mother. The shop owner, a kindly man, passed him a large jar of suckers and invited him to help himself to a handful. Uncharacteristically, the boy held back. So the shop owner pulled out a handful for him. When outside, the boy's mother asked why he had suddenly been so shy and wouldn't take a handful of suckers when offered. The boy replied, because his hand is much bigger than mine. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? He says, God can see far better than you can. And God says, oh, look at the promise of God. The land which you see, I will give you to you and your descendants forever. And I think, what a great promise, right? And I love, here's what I love about Abram, guys. He's not looking at the promise, but he's loving the giver of the promise. He's just not going, what do you have for me? He's, he's saying, I, I love that. Well, here's my thought. You guys ready? What if the promise of God, what if the promises never came true? Would Abraham still love and obey God? Would he? Listen, you take a note, jot this down. A relationship with Jesus means you get Jesus. A relationship with Jesus means you get Jesus. And the question is, is that enough? Is that enough? So many times we're focused on what God will give us we, what we need to focus is on Jesus and that he's enough no matter what, no matter what life throws at us, no matter what life throws at us. Guys, Jesus needs to be enough no matter what. Jesus needs to be enough. Now, listen, I know, I know that's easier said than done. Well, yeah, Jesus is enough, right? Right? But I begin thinking about this on my desk. I'm thinking, okay, what, is, what does it really mean? Is Jesus enough? 
you know, and, and what, if you're, what if you're honest here today and you go, Ben, he's not, it's, he, I can, I'm, I'm going to answer no right now. And you might be thinking, what do I need to do to get my life to that point where Jesus is enough, okay? Let, let, let me do this. Ask yourself that question in your mind. What do I need to do in my life to get to that point where my Jesus is enough? Now, I got to be honest with you. I struggle with this just like you guys. I struggle with like this just like y'all. And the reason why is when you think about Jesus being enough, no matter what you go through, no matter what happens, that you are sustained every day and you're not looking for anything and you're not saying, well, this happened or this happened or so forth. I struggle with that too. But I go, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Well, here's one thing we need to do. First and foremost, let us not equate growing closer to God by using distance. Let me just say that right off the bat. You go, Ben, I'm not sure I understand. Oftentimes we go, well, I want to go, I want to get closer to God. Anybody ever use that phrase? But it, it implies distance. It implies you had to do something to get away from God. And yet the Bible tells me and you that Jesus is in us. So we didn't walk away or get any farther from God. He's living in me. You go, well, then what's the, what's the issue? Well, the real issue is not distance. The real issue is maturity. It's growing in God. It's maturity. Jesus is enough when you and I grow in maturity with God. He's enough. Spiritual maturity is achieved through becoming more like Jesus. How do we become more like Jesus? Well, we walk like Jesus, we suffer like Jesus, and we understand that the problems in the world, we become more, it's spiritual maturity, guys. And it's achieved. And after salvation, listen to me, Every, every Christian begins the process of that spiritual growth. With what's the intent? The intent is to become what? Spiritually mature. Spiritually mature. Listen to the way that Paul puts it in Philippians chapter 3, 12 through 14. Listen to this. In chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Jesus Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself as to apprehended, but the one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, like Paul, guys, we have to press continually toward a deeper knowledge of Christ. We have to keep pressing on. Listen to this. Christian maturity requires a radical reordering of one's priorities, changing over from pleasing self to pleasing God, and learning to obey God. Okay? I want you to jot this down. I want you to jot this down because the key to spiritual maturity is consistency. Perseverance in doing those things we know that will bring us into a closer walk with God. You go, what do you mean? Let me explain it this way. If I were to get up tomorrow morning and I would go to the gym, okay, and I'd work out for 20 minutes, I can guarantee you I'd go home, look in the mirror, and go, nothing's changed. Well, what'd you do? I worked out for 20 minutes. I don't see any change. Would you agree? What's the key? 
Consistency, right? If I, now, now listen, if I go to the gym seven days a week for just 20 minutes, there's going to come a time when I go, whoa, who are you, handsome? No, you wouldn't say that. But you know what I'm saying? You go, you would look and you'd go, wow, something's changed. Something's changed. I don't know when it's going to be, but I know it's consistency. Would you agree? Well, let me give you another example. Let me give you another example, okay? If you only went to the dentist once a year and you never brushed your teeth, okay? Yeah, ew. What would happen? Your teeth would fall out. But brushing, brushing your teeth twice a day for two minutes, I didn't, did you guys know that? Do you know that you're supposed to brush your teeth for two minutes? That's a long time. I don't know who has two minutes. I learned that today. I can Josh, Josh, do you brush your teeth for two minutes? I go, yeah, I know. I try to put my phone right there. It's like, you know, two minutes. Why, why are you saying, I don't know. I'm just telling you two minutes. But if you do that for two minutes twice a day, guess what will happen? You'll have healthy teeth and healthy gums. What's the key? What are the things that we need to be consistent about? Guys, they're called spiritual disciplines. What do they include? Guys, they include Bible reading. You need to read your Bible. How can you have a relationship with a God and he's written a love letter to you and you won't read it? What's the second thing? You need to have Bible study. You need to dig deep. There are words in here and I'm telling you there's, I mean, think about, think about Sunday. Think about Sunday. We talked about the tunic. Wow. We talked about hyssop. Wow. You, you got to study this stuff and you go, man, this stuff is amazing. This is awesome. So you got to read, you got to study. You go, what other disciplines? Guys, prayer. Prayer? Oh, we got to do some serious talking about prayer. Why? Because a lot of our prayer lives are anemic. And I believe God wants to hear from us. He wants us to talk to him. He wants us, he wants to have a dialogue. He wants me to just, he wants me to pray. And prayer is one of those disciplines. You go, how do I, Ben, I got to be honest with you. My prayer life is a mess. Consistency, just do it. Start out with five minutes a day. Man, I'm going to pray for five minutes a day. I'm going to pray for 10. I'm going to pray for 15. I'm going to pray for 30 minutes. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get a journal, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray for people, and I'm going to ask God. And here's the thing, guys. When you go, Sister Lori, what can I pray for you? Oh, yeah, Sister Lori, want me to pray for you? And then I forget all about it. No, be disciplined, consistency. So, hey, Lori, you asked me to pray two months ago about this. How's that going? You did? Oh, I got to tell you, it was amazing, and God did this. Amen. Thank you. It's consistency. Prayer. You go, what else? Here's another one. You ready? Here's a spiritual discipline. Fellowship. We got a fellowship. We got a fellowship. Stephen and I were talking out there and we said, man, we're so blessed that we have the podcast, but the podcast doesn't replace the fellowship in here. You get to see somebody smile. You get to bless somebody. And sometimes they come in and you don't, and they go, ah, the sermon is aight. The sermon is aight. You know, music is good. But then you do something and you bless them, and they go, oh, man, Mark, thank you. Oh, Carol, you just, oh, thank you for blessing. If I, I wouldn't, I'd miss that blessing. And so fellowship is important. Talking about the things of the Lord. Fellowship, service. Guys, we grow when we're stretched in service to the Lord. What do I need to do for the Lord? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? However, no matter how hard we work, church, listen, on those things, None of this is possible without the enabling of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. 
Well, back in Genesis, verse 16, he says, I will make, God's still speaking, he says, Abram, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. Now, listen, God is promising to this man who has no kids, hello, God is promising this, and the one family member who could be part of that just left. His nephew. Seriously? Lord. Here's what I want you to see. God doesn't see the way man sees. He sees a whole different set of circumstances, and I love that. But can I just say this? If you ever doubt the Lord, God, God's promise right here is fulfilled by you. You fulfilled this promise. Guys, you are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. This is why when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you actually fulfilled this promise. And when you share the good news with somebody, you preach the gospel, you share your life, your testimony, or you invite somebody to church and they get saved, the promise goes on and on and on. And that's the truth, right? There's so many of us that even if we could number, this is what he's telling Abraham. Now, Abraham probably scratched his head, huh? What? Here's a question. Who does the work of salvation? Who does that work? God, right? God. Why? Because notice the word. It says, I will. The Lord says, I will make your descendants. It's God's work. All we have to do is just be willing to invite. Be willing to invite. So God's work is is. Look at verse 17 and 18. Arise, he says, walk the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the Tirbith tree in Mamre, which is in where? Hebron. And he built an altar there to the Lord. You go, what happened? Well, Abraham broke camp. He obeyed. He trusted the Lord. And he dwelt by the Tirbith trees of Mamre. Now, if you're taking note, you need to jot this down. Mamre, if you look it up, it means fatness. It means fatness. He's in Hebron, and that actually means fellowship. Fellowship. The renewal of the promise was acknowledged by Abram as a fresh tribute to what? To his devout gratitude. Okay? So Abram, what? He moves his tent to the fatness of the land and the fellowship with God. You see that? That's amazing. You know, what does the fatness mean? It means the quality of being substantial. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Large amount is what it means, the fatness. Fellowship, that friendly association with those who share the same interest. That's what he did. That's where Abraham went. He went to the fatness of the land. And so I want to close our Bible study with just a little bit like this. Okay, guys? When it comes to our lives... When it comes to our lives, to have a relationship with Jesus means we get the quality of being substantial. We get Jesus. We get all that he has. We become joint heirs with him. It's amazing. It's amazing. We get the fatness of Jesus, if you will, every day as well as the fellowship of God. That's what he's talking about. Guys, sometimes in our lives, sometimes in our lives, guys, we, uh, we're like the chapter. 
we're like the chapter. We're like chapter 13. You go, you, you lost me, dude. No, no, no. Here's how chapter 13 is broken up. He talks about, it talks about Abram, and he talks about Lot separating, and then it focuses on Lot for a little bit, and then it comes back to the reaffirmation of what God had already called him to do. And in our lives, we feel that way. We feel like, man, I know God had a special calling in my life. I know he has a plan for me. I know it, I know it. And then you feel like you've got sidetracked by Lot. Something in your life is just like, man, I don't see God doing anything. I don't see him moving in my life. I don't know what to do. And then God comes and goes, hey, psst, psst, I've, I've, I've been here the whole time. I haven't forgot about you. I haven't, I haven't withdrawn my call from your life. It's still right there. I just want to. I just want to know that I'm with you. I just want to know. I want you to know that I'm with you. I haven't left you. And we do that, guys. We go, God, where are you? And he goes, I've been here the whole time. And I have so much more for you. And the world's going, hey, look at me. Look at me. I've got flashy stuff over here. Hey, worldly stuff, money, cars, possessions, all this stuff. And God's going, yeah, that's all going to burn. I've got so much more for you. Well, hold on time. Listen, listen. It's good to have money, right? It's good to have pay. You got to pay bills, Lord. He's like, yeah, but you don't know. When you lead someone to Christ and you see the continents change on their face and you see their spirit lifted up and you go, wow, something spiritual, something beautiful just happened. God used me to do that. No way. Wow. Money can't buy that. When you see, when you see people get in God's word, you see people get in God's oh, and they begin to grow. They begin to grow. And you go, wow, wow, Lord. When God called us to Lubbock, the one thing he said is that we want to see people live victoriously. We want to see people walking and growing in Jesus. We want to see the lost come. We want to see the lost come, and I want to see people saved. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, listen. The world calls out and says, hey, you can make a lot more money doing this. You can do this. You can do that. You can have, you can have trips and everything. And, and I say, no, but you know what? Listen, people were important to you, Jesus, and they're important to me. And I want to see God do an amazing thing. I want to see God do an amazing thing. And I get the fatness of Jesus, and I get the fellowship with God. I get that. I get that. Well, I don't, may not have the trips or whatever, but I get God. And my life, and I pray yours, is that he's enough. And if he's not enough today, that, that, that you, you begin to grow in spiritual maturity where Jesus is enough. Where Jesus is enough. Our kids are going to grow up. Is Jesus enough? People we love are going to die. Is Jesus enough? If your wife wigs out or your husband wigs out, is Jesus enough? When they, uh, when they diagnosed my wife with breast cancer, after knowing my mom died of breast cancer and my sister died of lung cancer and so forth and so forth and so forth, is Jesus enough? He has to be. He has to be. And we need to do whatever it takes to grow to where Jesus is enough. We have to do whatever it takes in our walks and in our lives. And I know that's hard, but you get Jesus. Lot took seven downward steps, and where did he end up? Zoar. Abraham took one upward step, and he had a relationship with God.
and that made all the difference. He got it all. He got the fatness of the land. He got the fellowship with God. And he got the family that he always wanted. And it really is the same for us, is it not? The question is, is do you have a relationship with Jesus? And if not, why not? You get the fatness of the land. You get the fellowship with a God who created you, knows all about you, your struggles, and and you get the family you've always wanted. And that's my prayer. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, and the truth in your word. Thank you for Abram. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for reaffirming, God, all that you're going to do in our lives. I just pray. I pray everyone here has a relationship with Jesus. That they've set their heart, not towards Sodom, but they've set their heart towards God. A God who's real. A God who created everything. A God who loves us. A God who sent his son. A God who looked at us and said, you're worth it. When my Jesus looked to the cross and then he looked at us, he said, you're worth it. You're worth it. And he wants a relationship with us. All we have to do is open up our hearts and invite him inside. Make that commitment today. You go, Pastor, how? How do I do that? Well, maybe you pray a prayer or something similar to this in your own words, however it means. It says, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe in you. I've tried to do life my way. I've messed up. I, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again, and I believe you're coming back for us soon. And here's my prayer to you, Lord. I'm asking you to come into my heart and be my Lord and be my God and be my Savior and Lord, be my friend, because I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, and for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you prayed a prayer like that, man, we believe you got born again. We believe that God is going to do an incredible work in your life. Here's what you need to do. You need to tell somebody. So if God did that in your life, hey man, listen, I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. Tell somebody. Let's worship. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.